Sometimes when it's your night, it's just your night. Sometimes you can tell, maybe by the middle innings. Sometimes you get a little bit surprised and the end of the game ends up tilting in your favor with a comeback. Sometimes you can just feel it in the air when something feels destined, when something feels like it's just right. In the Phillies' case, in Game 3 on Tuesday, that feeling arrived one pitch into the game. It was almost impossible not to feel like as Jose Altuve lined out to a sliding Nick Castellanos in right field, that things might just go the Phillies' way. It's ridiculous to think that after one game and one out. It's or one inning, one pitch, one out. Forget one game. And yet that feeling was in the air. The Phillies were at home. The crowd was on fire, as they normally are. And now, fast forward a few innings, after a completely dominant effort, smacking five home runs against Astro starter Lance McCullers Jr., the Phillies have a 2-1 World Series lead and are two wins away from claiming it all. <laughs> Hello from a spot on location in southern New Jersey. I am Paul Boyer, getting ready to head on over to Citizens Bank Park in a few hours for Game 4 the Phillies look to take a commanding lead of this World Series. Joining me as always, the Athletics' Matt Gelb. Matt, last night, Tuesday, was about as good a game in all facets as you could possibly ask for for this team and has set them up pretty beautifully for tonight's Game 4 and maybe even Game 5. How are things feeling down in the clubhouse, down in the stadium, after what was basically a dominant win. I think you said it right. And it's what I focused on in my story uh, at the athletic is that uh, (laughs) the first inning, like the first pitch, the first three outs, you know, nine pitches to get three outs, two pitches to get two outs to start that inning. And then Harper homers in the bottom half of the first. And it just felt like the Phillies have had this sort of invincible stature uh, at Citizens Bank Park in this postseason. They've played six games there. They've won all six. Um, Only a couple of them have been particularly close. And just getting off to the start that they got off to, it was just perpetuating this feeling of invincibility. And this team isn't supposed to have that feeling. Not against Houston. Not against San Diego. Not against Atlanta. They're not supposed to have that feeling. Uh, No. In, in this month at this ballpark. And it it's really made me think about Ben Revere was at the game last night and he was in the, they had a suite with a bunch of uh, Phillies, you know, uh, hanging out and, and most of them are, you know, very recognizable faces and guys from the, you know, the glory days, but sprinkled in were a few others. And Ben Revere was one and they showed him on the scoreboard and he was like sitting near Bradledge. And I, I audibly laughed in the press box. Like when I saw that, just because, <laughs> You think about you think about ten years of of everything going wrong and all of the things uh, that that should have gone right that went wrong and all of the people who are trying to make it work and it just never worked and for six weeks now the better part of six weeks 
every single thing that could go right has gone right for the Phillies. And it is just this magical energy that is formed and, and, and it manifests in, in these parties that we see in South Philly at Citizens Bank Park. And Tuesday night was the epitome of that. It was a party for more than three hours because the tone was set early on. It's funny, Garrett Stubbs, um, the personable backup catcher on the Phillies, said to me after the game, he's like, it was almost like we scored too many runs because people got like almost too calm in the middle innings. Like, and I, we both kind of laughed at it because it wasn't like he was like the fans were amazing. He wasn't criticizing the fans. It was almost he was like, yeah, right. It was almost like it was too easy in a way, uh, and <laughs> it the, the scene, Paul, like that that first inning. No one stood for all thirty one pitches. Nine in the top half, twenty two in the bottom half of the inning. A lot of people stood for the majority of the game. Uh, it was really cool. It was, uh, I think, unlike anything I've ever seen at a baseball game. And it just, it's amazing. Uh, Ranger Suarez, I mean, I feel like he he is a Phillies legend. He has cemented himself as a Phillies legend yep. uh, in this postseason. He came in to save the clincher for the pennant in relief. He appeared in the seventh inning of a really tight spot in a in an epic game one of the World Series. He comes back on three days rest, throws five scoreless innings in game three. Legendary. An absolute yes. legend. He has solidified him, himself as a Phillies legend. Yes. Yes, he absolutely has. Look, th- this has been this has been a postseason run full of king making, right? Like, regardless of how this series turns out, how many times have we said it, there are guys who are emerging as bare minimum cult heroes. They are creating these stories in this incredibly unlikely run that are going to live on forever. You're going to remember some of these huge hits for a long, long time. I mean, some of them, you know, memory blunts a lot of things, but the way that some of these hits have arrived and just the sheer force of the drama behind some of them are going to leave indelible marks on this city, this team, its history, forever and ever and ever. You know, it. Ranger Suarez kind of arrived without a whole lot of fanfare. You know, there's a lot of talk about how he only got like this five-figure signing bonus, how, you know, as a prospect, he was on the radar of some of the people who pay, you know, more attention to the Philly system than maybe necessarily on a national level. I think he first arrived on my radar when he only walked one guy for the entirety of uh, I think it was either a, a Dominican or Venezuelan summer league season when he was much younger. It was something like 70 something strikeouts to one walk in 80 innings or, or something. 78 something to one. I was actually yeah. looking it up last night because uh, Ranger mentioned a, a pitching coach, a guy by the name of Les Stracker, who mm-hmm. was a pitcher for the 1987 Twins. He started two games in the World Series uh, for mm-hmm. the 87 Twins. And uh, he later became a minor league pitching coach. And he, for years, was the Phillies pitching coach in Venezuela when they had an academy there uh, before they had to shut it down, before Venezuela uh, just became too unsafe to have a a summer league team there. And Stracker was in the stands last night because the Phillies flew in uh, all of their full-time employees who are not based in Philadelphia. And uh, he, he still works in the Dominican now for the Phillies. He's a minor league pitching coach. He works with their teenage pitchers, their youngest pitchers. And he was talking, you know, Ranger was mentioning how this pitching coach had told him, you know, the most beautiful thing is to make it to a World Series. He had gotten there, 
kept telling Ranger about it. Ranger spent three years at that academy in Venezuela. I mean, that is usually yeah. a death sentence. I mean, you, yeah. you used to have to spend three years at the academy, whether it's in Venezuela or Dominican Republic. Your your odds are not good. Your odds are not good of getting, let alone to the majors, you know, let alone to the states. Like if right. you spend three years there, you're usually not getting out. You're not getting out. And Ranger had that 78 to one strikeout to walk season in 2014. And Stryker was the pitching coach then. And it got him to the States. It ends up getting to the World Series eventually. And he was the second Venezuelan starter last night to ever win a World Series game. How cool is that? Yeah, I, I heard that little broadcast tidbit that the other was Freddie Garcia, which, you know, right. brought, a, <laughs> brought a smile to my face um, and maybe a grimace to some other faces around here for memories of Freddie Garcia. But look, to, to keep talking about Ranger for a second here, the, this is a guy who, you know, again, he didn't arrive with the fanfare of, of a top prospect. This isn't somebody like an Aaron Nola, who's a, you know, a high first round draft pick who cruises through the minor leagues and arrives, you know, pretty much fully formed and you know what you're getting or you have these high expectations. Ranger comes in as a guy with no defined role. He bounces back and forth between starting and relieving, you know, really. Really, you could say up through now, he's done that, but in a different way. You can see the evolution of how he's thrown, what he's become. I, I don't know what the future holds for him. It's hard to say, but everything up until this point has been quietly almost really, really good. Like, really good. This is somebody who, you know, drew some laughs when. Um, you know, the, the famous slash infamous uh, OG Saber administration, Bill James, put Ranger on his list of top 10 starting pitchers in the league before this season. And people were like, what the hell are you talking about, old man? What's going on here? And even I admit, I raised my eyebrows a little bit. But all we've seen out of this guy is, you know, it, even if it's not wholly justified and you don't necessarily think of Ranger Suarez, as one of the 10 best starting pitchers in the league, that's fine. You don't need to. All you've seen out of him is results. All you've seen out of him is a steady hand. All you've seen out of him is an ascendant glove and an ability to whatever the situation is and however he's called upon to deliver. You know, that start against Atlanta when he walked five guys earlier in the postseason was like the one time I feel like I've actually seen him a bit nervous yeah, but remember, I mean, like, like, remember how good he was of getting out of that, right? Yes, yes, and that's the, the thing, right? Did like, he give up one run, right? Is that? I mean, it's, yeah. it feels like that feels like five years ago, Paul. It was a, an eternity ago, but yeah, that's the thing, right? Like that's that demeanor. Like even if he's shaken for a brief moment, his ability to recover is almost instantaneous. It's wild, and I think, I think among a team of just absolutely unhinged madmen. <laughs> who are just feral and just want to just want to explode at every chance they get, which is amazing. And I think the crowd feeds off of that. It's nice to have somebody who's a little more level-headed, especially for a moment like that. Like I, I will, I will remember the postponement of Game Three as setting things up like this so beautifully for a while because it enabled Ranger to come back and make this start to be the steady hand in the midst of the sea of madness and waving red towels to keep his composure on a line drive, hit right back at him to breathe, pick up the ball, throw him out to work through the heart of the lineup twice to really just do 
anything and everything that the Phillies needed to get through that game, to eat just enough outs to keep things comfortable and not get rattled. You know, it, it, to call him a legend right now, I think is absolutely appropriate. Everybody is going to remember this guy and his name for ever, basically. Yeah. And I, I, he wasn't a top 10 starting pitcher this year. He wasn't like, that was a laughable no. kind of label put on him, but <laughs> what is he? Like, he's probably a solid number three in a rotation moving yeah. forward. You know, uh-huh. we, you're right. We don't know what he is in the future. And he, he's thrown a lot of innings this year, but he is, is going to have these experiences and he's going to carry them with him for the remainder of his career, for the rest of his life, beyond his playing career. And he, he's just shown such durability and resiliency. And you're right. I mean, it's a team full of absolute insane people. And he is <laughs> probably the most calm out of all of them. And it was almost like uh, the only game that he pitched on the road in this postseason, or two games, the only game he started on the road was that Braves game. He's mostly pitched at home. And I feel like, it is like the perfect setting for him because he is somebody who uh, channels that energy and, and feels that energy and just like takes it and stuffs it inside of him and just like, just uses it to, I don't know. There's this, this confidence. There's a confidence when he is on the mound. There's a confidence, obviously when the Phillies are in citizens bank park, but when he's standing on the mound there, it, it is almost like he takes all that nervous energy, this crazed energy and just stuffs it into a nice, neat little package and delivers it as like a 94 mile an hour sinker loan away. And it's, and it is just, uh, it has such an effect on this team. Whenever he's out there, there's just this immense amount of trust and it has never seemed too big for him. Even in that five walk game, it it didn't seem too big for him because he still made the pitches to get out of it. I'm still going to remember the, the relief, the, probably the relief. I don't know. It's like, it's how do you rank, you know, coming in for, as a reliever for the first time this season in game five, the NLCS to win the pennant with coming in as a reliever in a tense, epic, you know, all time world series game to face their toughest hitters to, you know, pitching five scoreless innings in a huge swing game. World series is like, how do you rank those? I don't even know. Um, I almost want to rank like, uh, I guess the clincher you have to rank at the top because there were two men on base and it was just like chaos, right? Like it was about to, I don't know. But game I don't know if there's the a wrong series, answer. Game one of the World Series was a huge moment, and what a you know yeah. a huge moment because that game, you know, if they don't win that game, this is this is not a series. It's not a series if they don't win that game in the way they want it. Um, I don't know. I mean, legend like that is the word I thought of last night as I was writing. I used it. He is absolutely a Phillies legend for the rest of his life. Like. We saw, you know, Carlos Ruiz was on the screen last night and people go crazy for him. People go crazy for anyone from that 08 team. I feel like, you know, 10 years from now or 15 years from now, whenever Ranger Suarez is shown on the scoreboard, people are never, you know, they're going to go crazy for Ranger Suarez. He is going to be a legend in this city forever. That That's 100% correct. That I, I would be hard pressed to find anybody who would disagree with that. Um, on the flip side, legendary for... Uh, bad reasons if you're an Astros fan. Lance McCullers assumes the role of Andy Sonnenstein from 2008 and just just served up a bunch of huge dingers. Oh my God. Um, There's a little bit of a thought as to whether the Phillies picked up on a tell or a tip. Um, Either way, they, they absolutely pummeled the guy. They had a good idea of what was coming 
regardless of whether they actually found a physical tell or not. They had a plan. They executed it. And it worked to the tune of five home runs, including a couple absolutely titanic shots. Kyle Schwarber nearly cleared the batter's eye in center field with one of them on a changeup, which the broadcast harped on. I mean, that's just how locked in these guys were, a dead center changeup. You know, again, it goes back to thinking when it's your night, it's your night. And these guys were absolutely clued in to what was going on up there. Um, there's some there's some media going around, some still images, some gifts, some video of Lance McCullers' delivery on a couple of these pitches. It's hard for me as a non-baseball player who really kind of has a bad time picking up on tips anyway. I don't really look for them when I'm watching the game. It's not really something that stands out to me. If, it, if there's a hole in the way I watch baseball, that's probably it. I'm not really great strategically there. So I didn't really notice much of a difference, nor was I paying that close of attention to McCullers' mechanics or his glove height or his leg kick or anything like that. Um, but there's some thought, and the Phillies aren't going to tip their hand. They're not going to, so to speak, they're not going to say what they picked up on. Why would they? At the very least, not until this series is over. Regardless, they found something. They had a plan. The plan worked. Is there really anything to this tipping thing? I mean, I I don't know if we're going to see McCullers again in this series, maybe in Game 7 if it gets there. Um, is there anything to build on with this, or is it just one of those, you know, everybody was really locked in and the results are shown on the scoreboard? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this, and I, I recommend people read Ken Rosenthal's story at The Athletic because he, I think he dissects it and gets it to the issue. And I, I, I think our, ref, our you know, the, the reflex this time of year is to be like, oh, he must be tipping. Like, he must be tipping. There must be something. And I feel like that's diminishing from what the Phillies did last night. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know that he was tipping. I think the Phillies had a really strong plan. And I think a lot of it, Paul, goes back to game 160. And this was the clinching game in Houston. McCullers started for the Astros. The very first pitch he threw to Kyle Schwarber was a fastball. Schwarber hit it to the opposite field for a home run. And he threw three fastballs to Bryce Harper in that game. And Harper laid off all three. I think two of them were balls. One of them was a called strike. And, or maybe a foul ball. And they had, they had the Phillies have had three scouts on, sitting on the Astros for more than a month now they have data they have video uh they had a really good plan and they had a really good idea of what how mccullers was going to attack them and part of this is because mccullers has put himself into a box he since coming back from injury this year um he he is not trusting of his fastball particularly against lefties he had thrown it once this postseason to a lefty before tuesday night Kyle Schroeder even told me after the game, he's like, I knew I wasn't going to get a fastball. And when you know that, it just allows you to zone, to just like kind of focus and zone in on certain spots, certain pitches, uh, certain velocities. And I just think they had a really good plan. And let me say this. I know it was great drama, like the the cameras, and it was really cool. They captured Bryce Harper calling Alec Boehm over and saying something to him. I don't know what he said, and nobody will say what he said. I don't know if they had to tell. I don't think they did. I really don't. Harper was batting uh, with a runner on base. So McCullers was from the stretch. Bohm batted uh, with no one on base. McCullers is going to wind up totally different. Different. It's harder to find it. You know, If you're finding a tell, it's usually whether it's something that's consistent in the stretch or in the windup. 
I can't tell you how many times this postseason I have written it. I've been watching a game and I've written in my notebook. What did player X say to player Y? Because there's been so many times when a, when a Phillies player has come across the plate, he's scored, or maybe he's made an out and he's walking back to the dugout and he stops and talks to the guy in the on deck circle. And he says something. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, my, my senses are heightened to me. I'm like, Oh, they must know something or he must've seen something like, this is going to be a really cool story. I'm going to, you know, I'm on it. Like I'm going to, nobody else saw this. I'm going to, I'm going to ask them, you know, I'm going to figure it out. It's going to be great. And I've, I've, I don't think I've ever asked anyone after games because it's, it has ended up not mattering. Maybe the next batter made an out. Maybe, you know, it just wasn't relevant at bat, the next at bat. This just is leading to me a, a roundabout way of me saying they, they really do a good job of like talking to each other and communicating. And Rob Thompson pointed this out after the game last night, they, they're just always talking, always looking for the smallest detail. Uh, this just so happened to be a very high profile one where the cameras captured Bryce saying something to Bohm and we want to believe what we want to believe. And that's fine. Like if you think he was tipping, if they think he was tipping, maybe the Phillies want him to think he was tipping. Um, I mean, maybe they want the Astros to think they have something. I don't know that they yeah, do. Maybe. Even if they do, that's great. They, they put a lot of work in, not just the hitters, but the coaches, the analytics team, the advanced scouts. There's a lot of work that goes into these series. Whether they found something or not, I don't know. I do know that they had a really good game plan going into this this game. And I think McCullers, I don't want to say he made it easier for them, but he became predictable. And they had pretty good intel that he wasn't going to stray from that predictability. And, and it's funny because right, you, you were watching the broadcast and they were talking about it even on the broadcast, right? Yes. I mean, that's that's the thing that struck me because when when you get to the playoffs, it's not always always the case, but when a national broadcast is picking up on something, whether it's a trend or a historical record or something strategic, and they make it a point to either put up a, a, a Chiron or a graphic or talk about it for you know more than just a passing reference, that typically by that point, the teams who they're talking about are well aware of whatever trend it is and try to work a little bit against that current to try and be a little less predictable to try and not be so obvious that a national broadcast is picking up on it because that that's kind of what national broadcasts are supposed to do right they're supposed to meet the median fan somewhere between the diehards who know everything and study every seam on the ball and the people who are just watching baseball for the first time this year when they started talking about how McCullers did not throw his fastball to left-handed hitters. I, I began to think, okay, this is the point where the Astros run counter to that. We're going to see more fastballs. He's going to try and sneak him in there because the trend is now so obviously in that direction. He needs to work the other way to keep guys off guard. And he did not do that. He stuck with the trend. He stuck yeah. with off speed and breaking stuff. And, you know, you talked about Schwarber knowing that he was not going to get a fastball. Well, if that's his mindset coming up to the plate, how do you not have any faith in your fastball to try and sneak something by there? It's just, it's, it's wild to me. Like I, 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 again, I'm not a pitcher. I've never taken a major league mound. There are things that go into this that I cannot fully wrap my head around. But when it's so obvious like that, it really makes you question what's going on why they didn't feel like they could trust an entire pitch in the repertoire, you know? And, and that goes into the advanced work, Paul, like that, Mm -hmm. that goes in the advanced work that goes into watching like how he reacts when he throws a fastball. 
like when he's throwing the fastballs, you know, what counts, what batters he's throwing them to. He threw one fastball to lefty last night. It was stop. And I'm not diminishing stop, but he's probably, you know, maybe, you know, one of the weaker left-handed hitters on the, on the team right now. Uh, I, you know, it goes, it's, it's all part of it. And like, you're right. I mean, the fact that, you know, they could have had all this prep work done and it, it could have been, you know, it could have been like, oh, in the back of the head, they're like, well, you know what, you know, this is what he's done. It doesn't mean that this is what he's going to keep doing. You know, maybe this is this is a setup for him to throw more fastballs, and we need to be we need to have that in our head. Like we need to think that he's going to be coming at us with some fastballs here because he hasn't been doing it. But they had enough information to, to know and to be confident that this was going to be the same plan. And I think that is why they had some really good success last night. They 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 knew the tendencies. They they had a really good idea of what was going to come and where it was going to be. And I think that's just really good prep work. Whether they had to tell or not, I don't know. It might not have mattered. Well, that, that's a beautiful spot to be in, not only to have guys so locked in that maybe they picked up on something in game, but also to have the coaching staff and, and the, the scouting staff be um, also so confident in their reports and their information that you can send guys up there knowing they can, some of those guys, they could just completely eliminate an offering that they think they're going to see. it. That's unbelievable. So the Phillies teed off. They won 7 nothing. Dominant, swung the series back in their favor, two wins away. One of those wins, potentially, could come tonight, Wednesday. Aaron Nola takes them out. Again, thanks to the postponement, Aaron Nola is able to take the ball to start game four. Now, he was not his best in game one. He got hit around a little bit. Simple fact of the matter is he's thrown more this year than he's probably ever thrown in his life. He's probably running low on gas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But this is it. This is likely his last appearance, save for maybe a break glass in case of emergency game seven. I don't know. Worry about that when we get there. But this is it. This is the time to let it loose. And Nola is able to take the mound ahead of a Noah Syndergaard start in game five tomorrow, Thursday. Um, bigger than that, bigger than Nola getting to start game four, is the fact that the big bullpen weapons are now running on about four days rest which is crazy in a good way. Jose Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez are as rested as you can be for this time of year. And they're going to need them. They won a World Series game in which in which they the pitchers they used were <laughs> Ranger Suarez, <laughs> yeah. Connor Brogdon, Kyle yeah. Gibson, Nick Nelson, yeah. And Andrew Bellotti, the Phillies won a World Series game by using those pitchers, and it was a shutout. The Gibson Bellotti stuff, man. Yo, I'll, I'll tell you what, though, I, I'm going to give some props to Kyle Gibson. He Hell looked yeah. like he threw yeah. some of his best breaking stuff in that appearance. He had some great breaking stuff, and it's just like, again, that's another one of those things. When it's your night, it's your night. When Kyle Gibson is coming out and shutting you down, you know, you tip your cap and you move on to the next game because what are you going to do at that point? But it was. And, you know, Dominguez got warming up. He was warming up in the eighth when Nick Nelson uh, got into a little bit of trouble. And I, I thought that was yeah. kind of overkill. But I thought what Rob Thompson did last night was um, ballsy. And it was warranted, though. I mean, when you're up that big, like you got to try to shoot your shot and not use your guys. And this is why Kyle Gibson and, and Nick Nelson are on the roster. And uh, they, they did their job. Like, he stole a few innings there. And, like, I mean, <laughs> crazy. It just, I mean – Really, like the ultimate insult was like, okay, here we go, we're up, and uh, here comes Kyle Gibson and Nick Nelson. And no offense to those guys, I understand, but uh, you know, yeah, 
was no, that, that is what they're there for. That is what they're there for. And you, you hope and you dream that you get into a situation where you can use them like the Phillies were able to use them last night. Like that is the ideal. That, that is, that is it. The ability of this team to score early and often play convincingly, have a good start through five innings and able are, are then able to coast basically, you know, Connor Brogdon continues to be really, really good. And it's really nice to see his stuff playing against the lefties the way it is now. That continues to be something I, I keep in mind as this series goes on. That's really big to see. But if you're, if you get like, look, the Nick Nelson thing was, was, it was not a great appearance. And I think that's the last time we'll see him in this world series. But the simple fact of the matter is he put up a zero and got three outs. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Kyle Gibson gave up. Yeah, he pitched in the World Series. Kyle Gibson, you know, faced four batters, got three of them out, just gave up the one hit. Look, the the fact that they are able to preserve their best arms, get them another day of rest after riding them so hard because they had played so many close games in the last series. You know, we, we talked about this. They were only comfortably ahead of the Padres for like two innings that entire series. Everything else was super close. You know, they were ahead of the Braves a little bit more, but that's ancient history at this point. The fact that they were able to score so many runs to make it so comfortable that they could buy extra time for the big arms to potentially ride them for who knows how long tonight and maybe come back, you know, back to back on Thursday. You can't ask for much more than that. You have the option now to deploy them aggressively again without worrying too much about their effectiveness. Now, things could go astray. It's baseball, things happen, but as far as actually lining up the stars and get every, getting everything the way you want it, having Aaron Nola backed up by a fresh Alvarado and a fresh Sir Anthony has to have you feeling pretty good if you're a fan, even with the way Nola looked in game one. Look, this is what you want. One of your top guys is starting the game that could potentially give you a stranglehold on this series. And look, if, if the offense continues to swing the way they've swung, we talked about Christian Javier and how things are probably going to be tougher tonight than they were against McCullers. Almost certainly they're going to be tougher. Um, if they're this locked in and they feel like they've got a good eye on the ball, man, it's hard not to like their chances. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, I think everyone's yeah. like a series even going back to Houston. I was like, okay, well, let's 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 like slow your roll a little bit. I mean, like I – I don't know. Like, I really feel like there's still one, you know, one really good push here from the Astros. I mean, they are the Astros. And like, I know, yeah, uh, you know, say what you want to say about them, whatever. But, I, you know, I still think there's one more good push from them. And I, I do feel like uh, this this series goes back to Houston still. And that would require the Phillies to lose a game at home, which is something they have not done in this postseason. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they don't. Maybe they win it here in Philly. But, uh you're right. It will be harder for them in Game Four. Javier is a is a, is a really strong starter, um, less predictable than McCullers, and you know it's it's going to come down to Nola. Like I think if they can get five, six, you know, five and a third strong innings from Nola, depending on where they are in the batting order, you know, Alvarado, you know, maybe the first guy out of the bullpen to face Jordan Alvarez whenever he comes up for the third time. Uh, you know, they last one. They need a big one from Nola. He's done so much to get them here. 
His last two have not been good. Uh, one more though, empty the tank. Yeah, this is it. You know, the, the, the aggression will be on display. I think I, I'd honestly be happy if Nola just got four good innings. I, I I'm going to be interested to see how he comes out, how he's throwing, whether he's got the feel for the curveball and the other off speed. Um, because you know, the way things are going, he's not at hundred percent. He's probably not really even in 90% if we're judging on his last couple of appearances. So just getting, if he can clear the heart of the order twice without a lot of trouble, I'll be feeling pretty good. And then we can lean on a couple of the bigger arms to hopefully scrape through and, and get the rest of the outs. Anything after that to me, it's a bit of a bonus. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of aggression, whatever form that takes. Um, hopefully they get another big lead and let Nola coast a little bit more. We'll have to see how it goes. I think the thing I enjoyed most last night, Paul, and you're going to get to experience this tonight at Citizens Bank Park was it, it really was just like it was such a party. And and, and I, maybe it was because they got the early lead and all this, but like every yeah. half inning, like they showed somebody new on the scoreboard. It's like there's Tim McGraw, like there's Miles Teller, like, you know, Chase Utley's kids danced on the dugout with the Fanatic and like Ryan Howard is taking like a picture of it. And then he's taking a picture of him and Utley on the scoreboard. You know, they show, you know, Ben Revere with Brad Lidge and uh, Carlos Ruiz is like, you know, sitting with Ed Wade and he doesn't know that he's on the scoreboard and JC Romero is next to him and nudges him. And, uh, you know, I, I just there was just um, it was such a cool atmosphere uh, and and it just it made like all of those the last 10 years it just feels like it was just like washing away and with every inning in this postseason. um the people who have been watching this stuff for, you know, the last 11 years, it's just washing away. It's washing away all of the, the terrible memories and just the hard nights and like the frustration you have with this team. And um, what a cathartic experience for so many Phillies fans who uh, have been watching this all along and, and, and for it to happen like this, uh, there's just there's something magical about it i don't know there's just no other way to put it i mean it it is what a strange sensation i mean for a franchise that has lost more games than any franchise in national you know in 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 north american professional sports uh they are having one of the most charmed you know five six week periods that any franchise will ever have ever ever it's weird to say that about our Philadelphia Phillies as being charmed, but it's absolutely true. Oh, man. Well, here's the thing. Coming back to earth for a second, the Phillies still do need to win two entire baseball games, and they need to do it against the Houston Astros. Look, I feel as good as I possibly can right now, given that the Phillies are home for the next two games. They have Aaron Nola going tonight. Got to feel good about that. Bullpen's rested. Got to feel good about that. Offense is crushing the ball, at least they were last night. Got to feel good about that. It's very little reason to be too worried. That being said, it's going to be a stressful couple of nights. Uh, they actually have to get these wins banked and finish them off. What are you um, going to wear tonight? You got a, do you have a special shirt or jersey? It's going to be nice. I, I mean, yeah. weather, that was the other thing. Is like It was like the perfect. It was like the most perfect night yeah. weather-wise. It was unbelievable, and I think it will be very similar tonight. Yeah, it's going to be, what, about mid-60s at first pitch, not going down too much. I mean, that's that's crazy for the first week in November, uh, and I will take it. I am 
currently wearing my uh, retro hockey sweater with the maroon P in the middle. And on top of that, I have a retro Steve Carlton jersey oh, wow. in the uh, maroon and blue. I'll be I'll be rocking that up in section 425 tonight, I believe. Um, so I was I was down the right field line in the NLCS, had a, a nice nice view of the arc of all of those home runs in the uh, in the 10-6 win. I'll have a, a nice view of uh, have a nice view of everything hit out to right field. I think being down the third baseline tonight. Look, I am excited for this party that you were just talking about. It was a party in Game Four of the LCS. I want it to be a party tonight because the simple fact of the matter is we've all waited so long for this and the Phillies have put themselves in such an incredible position right now to ideally, and this is still possible, clinch this thing at home without having to go back to Houston. And we as fans, as the crowd, as the people who are going to be in the stands tonight and tomorrow, need to keep doing everything we can to make this environment as hostile as possible for the Astros, to pick our guys up if they fall behind, to just keep this momentum going because we have to believe as fans on the outside that we are as integral to these games as the players are. It's not literally true, but we need to keep believing it. We need to keep putting our voices out there. We need to keep making things as tough as we possibly can for the Astros. It, it, it worked on Tuesday. It, it's so you know? cheesy. Cause like, you don't want to like, <laughs> it it's is cheesy, cheesy because like, you know, the, the fans do not have a say in what happens on the field. Right. But- you cannot deny that, you know, there is some sort of atmosphere. There is something to uh, boosting up the players on the field and like having this confidence and knowing that if you get, if you get an early lead, if you get up, like, it's just, it's just like, it's just like this huge boulder rolling down a hill and like, it's unstoppable. Here's hoping. All right. I think we said all we can say things are going well and we need to hope they keep going well. That's basically, that's the gist of it right there. The Phillies are, are riding in with Aaron Nola here for Game 4 on Wednesday night with a chance to take a 3-1 lead in the 2022 World Series. Matt and I will be back with you before the weekend, whether after tonight's game or before Game 4, whatever the case may be. Stay tuned to the socials. You know where to find us. For Matt, I'm Paul. I'll see you at the party later tonight. Go Phils. Go Phils.